0: Good evening, folks. I hope you can all hear me and welcome to tonight's BAFTA Scotland Q&A on Murder Island. I'm Paul English and we have a room full of guests for you to speak to. Murder Island, an STV Studios production for Channel 4. Uh, Today's session is part of BAFTA's Learning, Inclusion and Talent Development Programme aiming to inspire industry practitioners, emerging talent and the public through sharing craft insights championing underrepresented voices and exploring key issues in the industry. To catch up on any previous events, head to the BAFTA Guru YouTube channel and BAFTA SoundCloud. I've got one or two housekeeping notes for you uh, before we kick on. Please feel free to ask questions at any point and I can put as many of them as I can to the panel afterwards at the end of the session. You can send them in via the Q&A function at the bottom of the screen. Closed captioning is available now, which you can turn on by pressing the CC button at the bottom of your screen. And now please welcome your speakers for the next hour. Renowned crime writer, Ian Rankin. There he is, welcome Ian. Police expert, Parm Sandhu. Hi
1: everyone.
0: Hi, Pam. Sorry, I've just realised I look like I'm conducting a seance. There's an element of makeshift <laughs> going on here <laughs> uh, in keeping with the tone. Um, executive producer and creative director of Factual for STV Studios, Craig
2: Hunter. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hello.
0: And senior commissioning editor for Channel 4, Madonna Benjamin. Oh, well, oh. Madonna,
3: Hello. Hi.
0: Now you see her, now you don't. Uh, Welcome folks, great to great to have you all along with us tonight um, and welcome to our audience as well. So, Murder Island, transmission details Tuesdays at 9.15pm and on all four. Many of you will already be familiar with it and are no doubt up to speed with the latest twists and turns in the series. But a short series synopsis for those that aren't. Shot on the remote Scottish island of Gia. This six-part series is based around a murder plot written and developed by Siemens guest, Ian Rankin, which sees eight members of the public take on the role of detective and lead their own investigation. Our um, amateur detectives are competing to solve the crime and build a watertight case that can stand up in court, all under the watchful eyes of some of Britain's leading investigative officers. It's described as an innovative blend of factual drama and competition, unlike anything that we've seen before. And Ian Rankin has already said that the story of Charlie Hendricks' murder is one of the twistiest plots he has ever created, Ian. You've been held to that. And indeed, Murder Island has got the viewers guessing along with amateur detectives on social media. It was the first series commissioned from Channel 4's Contestable Fund, which aims to find innovative channeling channel defining content very quickly about our amateur detectives an engaged couple from London whose idea of a perfect date night is studying a murder mystery with a notepad and a bottle of wine two brothers-in-law from London and and Edinburgh who are determined to make the patriarch of the family a serving police officer proud two best friends from Staffordshire who have helped each other through the ups and downs of family life divorce and bereavement during their 30-year friendship And who believe that their life experience coupled with their love of detective novels and tv dramas like Vera will be invaluable on the island and finally two 20-something best friends from Hastings one of whom works in a pub and has just completed a private investigation course while the other works for a property lawyers and will soon begin an open university criminology course yes folks there has been a murder this is the great british bump off thanks (laughs) <laughs> first question, was that you that responded there, Ian, or Craig? Yeah, that was me. That was me, okay. Uh, Craig, we have the first question for you and Madonna. Madonna, how did the idea first come about?
2: Well, it started m- with
3: Craig and then it came to me, so I'll let you start, Craig.
2: Okay, well, um, as a development team, we were really interested in the world of forensics and policing and murder investigations and these sorts of things. And I guess, like every production company that's up and down the country you're always thinking about how you can do these things slightly differently and I've always been really interested in competition formats because I think that competition or the artifice of a competition is a really good way of getting into otherwise closed worlds another one of Madonna's shows just to spare her blushes would be SAS who dares wins which I think is the perfect example of a long-running format where you get access into a privileged access into the world of the special forces. So we wanted to do something that was going to be inspired by that but looking at the world of detectives and, um, and murder investigations. So when we initially started to look at it myself and our director of development Lucy Hazard, we wanted to create a competition that would allow the audience to take part because I don't know about you but I always when I'm watching uh, crime box sets turn to my wife and say, could you solve that? Could you could you be the could you solve a murder? Do you have what it takes to solve a murder? And so that's literally where the idea first came from.
0: Madonna, what was your reception?
3: So the idea came through the door uh, alongside a number of other contestable pot ideas. And there were a number of us looking at these ideas. So there was Kelly Weblam, Elisa Pomeroy, and Haji Chokar, who was across Murder Island. And I think when it came through the door, we all kind of looked at it and thought, this has got something really special about it. It's ambitious. It's um, it's really innovative. It's quite terrifying in the way that actually you don't see as many of those ideas as you would like when things come through that feel quite terrifying. You sort of go, oh god, that's could you even do that? And that felt like a really good place to be starting because I think some of our really best factual um, has made the commissioners feel like that. Like who would have thought you could film, you know, people giving birth in one yeah. ball? Who would have thought you could film at like A&E Ward? Who, who would have thought first dates? You know, you could film hundreds of dates. So th- there was that sort of sense of, could we even do this? So it was that blend of drama, factual, um, Ian as writer, competition, um, a sort of impossible combination. It was a bit like, yep, we'd, re- we'd really like to give it a go. So it was good. we did, and we loved it, working with you guys.
0: And then giving it a go, uh, it opened the door to, to one to one Ian Rankin. Uh, the, the, you know, a, a name that's not necessarily um, a name that a lot of people would maybe have expected to be taking part in something like this scene. How did it come about?
4: It came about because I had just finished a project. I was sitting on my hands. We were still pretty much in lockdown. I couldn't go on holiday. What else <laughs> was I going to do with my time? Um, but take on a new project. And... I like to stretch myself. I mean, I like to try different things, whether it's trying to do a, a comic book, a graphic novel, or whether it's doing an opera libretto or something, or a stage play, just something different to get the the creative muscle, the brain muscle working in a different way. And um, when Craig approached me, I just thought, well, can you do this? I mean, is, is, this, is this workable? Um, because as a novelist, I'm used to playing God, I have complete control over my characters and what they do, but I was going to have to let go. Yeah, I, yeah. Could put together a, I could put together a storyline, but whether the detectives would follow the trail that I was leaving for them or whether they would go from a completely different direction, I had no control over that. Um, so, you know, it was it was terrifying. I mean, they they might have been brilliant detectives and worked at the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, they might have been completely flailing through it and going off on all kinds of wild tangents. Um, there have been some brilliant theories on uh, Twitter and social media, some of which I wish I'd taken up. Um, but yeah, so I just I sat in this very room and constructed a. A story that I thought was feasible on a a Scottish island. I mean, all Craig said was: look, it's going to be filmed on an island somewhere off the coast of mainland Scotland. We didn't even know which island it was going to be at the start of the process. Um, and I thought, well, we've got a small community, um, I know what that's like. We'll have incomers, we'll have people that have been there their whole lives, we'll have traditional industries that are maybe threatened, we'll have um a, a young population who are in. Uh, in jeopardy of drifting away to the mainland or or in thrall to drugs and drink or or cheap thrills. Problems and issues that you'll find anywhere. Um, uh, uh, And and environmentalism, of course, being an island as well. Um, I just thought all these things can be explored uh, in this mystery. Um, And what I also liked about it as we moved on was this mix of it being a game show, but also being Crime Scene 101. Um, the fact that people are on this very steep learning curve. Um, how do you investigate a crime? How, does it, how do the police really go about investigating a crime? So when Craig said, look, there will be real police officers there who will be, who will be sort of keeping their eyes uh, and ears on the, the amateur uh, detectives, I thought, well, that's absolutely fascinating. I've never seen anything like that before. And I think that would be great for the audience at home to see what really happens during a police inquiry.
0: Uh, to, to what extent was the was the kind of you know the structure of it handed down? To what extent did it feel like you know you were you were working prescriptively, maybe with a hand on your shoulder, or, or did you did you did you feel you were leaving your own story there?
4: Yeah, I mean to start with, I mean uh, I don't know if Craig would agree. It seemed to me that there, there there was no hand on the shoulder. It was just, can you go off and find a story that we can film yeah. um, that will be set on a Scottish island? Uh, and I said well okay how many actors can you afford and you know because that gave me an idea because in my novels there's a cast of dozens, but I knew we couldn't get away with a cast of dozens um, and uh, how many episodes and how long will the episodes be and how many twists do you want per episode um, and then off I went, but very soon we, we realized what to factor in imponderables. You know, it was like, can you do a little bit of scripted dialogue? We might not need it, but can you do a little bit of scripted dialogue? Say that the amateur detectives want to interview the guy in the bar early on. What might they ask? How might he respond? Um, so we had all that stuff going on, um, and and we just kept building and building and building. And uh, and once Craig had decided, yes, Gear is our island, and look, it's got this big house. It's got this hotel. It's got this. It's got that. Then I could sort of fin- I could sort of polish it a little bit, so that the uh, the story was more structured around Gia. Um, although we're calling it Hersha, of course it's not meant to be Gia. It yeah. is a fictional island. Yeah. But use utilizing what was actually there, and and blessed by mostly good weather. Although I noticed a few nights ago, <laughs> yeah. uh, there was one scene on the beach, and my God, the 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 weather gods were being brutal that day.
2: But what I was interesting, Paul, I was just going to say there was um, actually giving Ian the challenge from the very start for him to go away and create this world. Actually, it didn't take him very long at all. It came back very quickly with the world that we then inhabited. And of course there were changes that happened along the way. We were having conversations with Channel 4, Channel 4 and STV then feeding back into Ian and having a bigger conversation about the number of episodes and about the number of storylines that we would need. But what was really impressive was just this world and how quickly Ian came up with the world and all the characters. And they all stayed from the very, very first conversation right the way through to the end.
0: Yeah. Okay, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to come back to you on that point, Craig, because I can imagine once, once you've got Ian Rankin creating a bunch of characters for your TV show, then you know you've basically got the keys to the sweetie shop. It probably feels like, but
2: well, you just, you just don't really. Um, it's quite nerve wracking going back and giving notes to Ian, so you just don't really do that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. that's, that's a cal- that's a vile calumny. I am the nicest guy and will take any number of notes. <laughs> um.
0: Parm, this is this is completely new territory uh, from from the career that that, that you've had as you know as a as a high-ranking police detective. Tell us a bit about the career, a little bit about the career that you'd had before we saw you on TV in this.
1: Okay, um, I've done over (laughs) thirty years in policing, most of it in London, but also in counter-terrorism, safeguarding, neighbourhood policing. And I had, you know, building on the theme, I had just left after 30 years of quite intense police experience. And I got a message through LinkedIn. And um, I thought it was a wind up. I actually thought it was a wind up because I've never been involved in anything like this before. And I actually spoke to a couple of my um, colleagues and said, what do you think about this? And then I responded. And then I was given that, that story. At that point, I, I didn't know it was Ian Rankin. And so I was just given this basic outline of what was wanted and whether or not I could do it. And then after that, I had to go through these gruelling interviews and little audio clips and turning up here, there and everywhere and walking down the street 20 times and then speaking these lines. And then from there, I just got captivated, absolutely captivated with it. Because for me, the difference is the fact that we as ex-police officers were going to be tutoring the rookie detectives and that tutoring was then going to be filtered into the audience as well so you almost got that audience participation and I know that from my own house and um, I've got an adult son um, so I have a group of 20 year olds turning up in my house every Tuesday night and they're all discussing theories and can you give us a clue and I'm (laughs) no Mm. I'm not going to go there so I know it's captured the reality TV side of it, but also the, or the audience participation, because they are, they've got notes. They've, they've got books. They're actually, yeah. they've put money on who they think it is.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> it
1: is and I, so for me, it was, and then the next step for me was when they started talking, when Craig started talking about, um, it was Ian Rankin. Sorry, Ian. I'm talking about you as if you're not here. Um, I've always been a big fan. So I started getting the books out thinking, Oh my God, because one thing that you may or may not know is that we didn't know uh, uh, you know we were as much in the cold as the rookie detectives were yeah so we had reputations you know I had a 30-year career and I'd done pretty well yeah and I didn't want to be the one with egg on my face at the end of it to say we never got there in the end and we couldn't solve it and I knew that Ian would have the twistiest plot but it was it was nerve-wracking and Madonna uses a good word there, terrifying. I was terrified, absolutely terrified.
0: You don't come across as terrified, I have to say, Parm. I mean, you, you know, if, if you don't mind me saying so, at times you come across as, you know, with all due respect, and I mean this as a compliment, like uh, uh, you're completely uh, appropriately terrifying yourself. <laughs> and there's there's quite clearly an element of you getting into character. How did you? How did you kind of? Because it seems. It seems that, you know, uh, you 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 kind of, you play that part really convincingly.
1: You know, for me, it wasn't getting into character because one of the things that they did was they created these scenes. When I say they, I mean Craig and the team. They created these scenes that were, that were really, you know, they were realistic. They could be believed. And then when you're standing in front of a group of people, that was my bread and butter. I used to do yeah. that. You know, I can talk to 100 people, 200 people in a room, and I can tell people what to do because that's what i've been doing yeah and for me sometimes it was easy to forget that they weren't real detectives and they weren't really solving a crime so then it's not going into character it's it's going into my reality because i've done that but the hardest part for me was um when you've got to ask people to leave when i've done that on a real team it's normally because they've done something wrong or they've been dishonest or they're just not cut out for you know they've made some sort of really awful error these individuals hadn't had any training and we were literally drop, dropping them into these big scenes these huge learning curves that you normally wouldn't expect individuals to do not without appropriate training that was a big ask it was a really big ask
0: yeah, it sure is. And I guess with that in mind, Madonna and Craig, if you could cut us in on a little bit of you know, the, the this, process behind choosing your, your amateur sleuths. I mean, you have to obviously approach it from the kind of, you know, this has to be entertaining television. Uh, so these characters have to be characters that we relate to. And, and I think uh, you've done that, if, 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 if I'm being honest. You know, uh, the, the 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 couple that were voted off uh, first, first time round, I actually found myself being, well, not voted off, but asked to leave. Found myself being like, oh, well, they were quite good crack. That's a shame that they've gone. You know, um, th- almost forgetting the objective of 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 what we were here for. You know, tell us about about those considerations and how you chose them.
2: Well, I'll I'll kick off first of all by just saying that we worked with our, our really experienced casting producer called um, Ellie Gibbs, and Ellie um, used a, had, a, had a very very small team, but had an absolute huge reach in terms of where the, all the um, adverts were going. And over the process, a really, really short process, we had 17,000 people apply for it, which was incredible when you think about it. To go from 17,000 down to eight, four teams of two. Um, One thing, uh, speaking on behalf of the channel, the one thing that Channel 4 were very keen for us to do was deliver on um, uh, contributors who really had a skin in the game, who really weren't just going to be on this because they wanted to be on telly, but they they were good characters, enjoyable characters, fun to watch. But they, but they also had a real vested interest in it. So um, I would say that when we started to whittle the numbers down and get them onto Zoom calls, again, another good benefit of lockdown was that we're all okay with Zoom. So we were able to cut through a number of the interviews really, really quickly, but then present that back to the channel. And then there was always a collaboration around who were our favorites. Yeah.
3: I mean, and with any series like this, you know, what, what we're always looking for is relatability. So, you know, when Craig and the team came to us with all these people and we were always looking at casting tapes, um, you, you know, you want, you want everybody to feel represented by someone who's, who's on the island, right? So we needed diversity uh, across the team. We needed age range. We needed uh, different skills, and you know, obviously, it's a really hard balance to get because when you when you sort of start getting people that are too clever, I mean, we we had a few of those, didn't we, Craig? Where people English, were like really right. super, super clever, and it was like um, that 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 sort of could just sort of t- tilt it too much in 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 the sort of direction of kind of, you know, they've done it before. So you want to feel yeah. like they kind of could you solve a murder, and that feel like a genuine question. Um, so I think it was getting that kind of entertainment and people who genuinely had skid in the game. And I think each and every one of them did for the reasons that you read out at the beginning, Paul. Uh, they were either sort of doing, a, you know, the, the two girls um, from Hastings. I mean, they were brilliant in their casting tape because they talked about sort of spying on people in the car park, you know, and just delicious things like that that made them feel like they were sort of genuinely curious about stuff. Yeah. Um, you that made, made them before, feel- time? I'm,
0: I'm suggesting you might have met them before if they were spying on people in <laughs>
3: the car No, in a way. I mean, just sort of very, very sort of fun stuff. But um, yeah, so so it's a hard, you know, if, on programmes like Hunted, and it, it's the same. Casting is really difficult when you've only got like four teams as well. We, we wish we could have had 20 teams, but that yeah. would have ruined the programme in another way. So...
0: And, and tell me about the process of recruiting the actors and a little bit, maybe, I don't know if this is something that you can come in on, Ian, on, on the kind of, you know, the, 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 when you're creating and sketching a world that they have to respond to in a kind of improvised fashion, you know, it, that, that can go, I guess, in any, in any number of ways. Tell me about the, uh, Madonna and Craig, tell me about the, you know, recruiting of the actors, because as much as, you know, I've had to watch a lot of television over the years from, from, for different aspects of my job, so there were a couple of faces that I recognised from other things. Uh, But I guess to some extent what you were looking for is is actors that we didn't recognise.
2: I don't know. It was interesting. We did have one conversation quite early on as to whether we did want to have recognisable actors in it. But then we realised that in order to achieve what we were asking them to do, which is a huge ask, I mean, it was a massive... The actors did an incredible job in terms of taking on their character and really not letting go of their character for an inordinate amount of time because they had to live and breathe that character on the island. But we so we decided to specialize in actors that would be who were well versed on the stage because they would be able to react to things, they would be able to improvise. And so for that, our series director, David Clues, worked really closely with a casting director in Glasgow called Laura Donnelly to find actors that would be really, really responsive to this sort of to this world. I mean, and then we went through the the usual sort of casting process in order to make sure that we would get people who would fit into the characters that Ian had created. By this time, when we're casting for the actors and we're casting for the for the for the cast, um, we were we had a really good idea as to who we were looking for because of the um, the characterisation that Ian had provided, but we just needed to make sure that they had the wherewithal to be able to respond to any question that would come at any time, and that was something that that we knew was going to happen. So in order to do that, we we workshop them for a really long time. We workshop them in Glasgow in the in the Crown Plaza Hotel before they went to the island. Then they got onto the island and we workshopped them even lo- even longer on the island before the detectives arrived. So you can imagine at the point that the boats are coming in and the detectives, our rookie detectives are coming in, yep. the, the actors absolutely heightened. You know, the, the, the atmosphere was really electric. They were fully in character. They'd spent about two to three weeks on the island prior to them arriving. Okay. So they were just ready for it to all kick off.
0: An actor's dream, I guess, in some respects yeah. to, like, you know, ma- maintain that kind of, you know, altered reality for that length of time.
2: Totally, and 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 after lockdown as well. So in many respects, these are they've been locked down for a long time. They hadn't been travelling or touring on stage. So when they came onto the island, I mean, they gave it their all. Um, So no, they they did a fantastic job.
3: And one of our really worrying, uh, one of the worrying aspects for us about the acting was not the acting per se, but it was when the factual met the acting, and we were really really nervous about how that would work out because that felt you know, really original and really unfried. Yeah. So when we first went into the edit and saw those scenes where the detectives went in, we were hugely relieved because they actually, they were sort of, when you got to that bit in episode one, it was like one of the best bits because they, they really, it feels quite, it feels very believable and you're not sort of questioning it too much. So that was a huge relief when we saw that that was working as well as it was.
0: Yeah. Ian. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, did you need to, I guess it's almost like you're, you're writing around all sorts of possible re- imagined reactions or imagined questions, imagined scenarios that the amateur detectives might, might you know, might
4: produce? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I came up with a cast of characters, a cast of necessary characters. I thought, OK, who would, who would be interesting to be on this island? Um, you've got people that have been there their whole lives. You've got incomers. There might be tensions between them. The incomers might have secret pasts or pasts to trying to get away from, um, there, there will be, you know, people will have had affairs on the island, um, people will have been keeping secrets on the island, um, there'll be youth with chip on their shoulder, there will be environmental activists possibly that are either on the island or coming to the island. Um, And what we did, what I got from the get go was the notion that some big landowner is trying to buy up more and more of the island so they can build an eco resort, as it were, um, with, they think, the island's best interests at heart. But if you're living there, you might not think that. So you've got tension straight away um, and you've got a cast of characters straight away that you're quite interested in or you should be interested in. And I thought, OK, what have we got? We've got a post office come shop, probably. We've got a hotel come bar. Um, We've possibly got someone who goes out um, and catches lobsters or scallops or whatever, a kind of fisher fisher person. Um, We've got a small school, so we could have a teacher. Um, The teacher could be in a relationship with the guy who runs the bar slash owns the hotel. Um, The woman in the post office might be separated from her husband. Um, She might have a, a, a slight fling or potential love interest with one of the incomers. And I sort, that's what I kind of gave to, 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 to Craig and his team. I said, look, you've got this. And when you've got human beings who are intrinsically interesting, um, you've got drama from the get go. And of course, once you introduce a murder into that, it shakes everything up. And people who have secrets suddenly are afraid that those secrets, even if they have nothing to do with the murder, will come to light. Yeah. And so, And so everybody in some way on the island is hiding something or potentially hiding something. Uh, which makes for drama. I mean, it makes for tension, it makes for drama. The actors had to be incredibly um, light on their feet yeah. because, because not only did it have to be in character, they didn't know, you know, l- unlike working with a script, they were working with a rough idea of what kinds of questions might get thrown at them, but they, but they had to know roughly how to answer. How much information are you going to give? Yeah. Uh, what are you going to try and hide? Do you want to hide stuff, but let the detectives have an inkling that you're hiding something? Um, so all of that was actually in the hands of the actors. And I had no, I mean, this was all gone. You know, I, was, I didn't set foot on the island. I was invited, but I didn't go. And whenever Craig would phone me up or, or Zoom me, uh, I was just so relieved that the plot was working um, and that the characters were working and the situations were working and the various twists were working. And that was such a, a relief to me because it could, at any moment, the whole house of cards could have come down.
2: Yeah, was, of course. It was quite. Inter- Paul, the, the thing I would say is that you knew it was working when, whenever we came back to the main house after we were out and about filming with all the teams and came back, and I would find Parm, Simon, and Maka with their own flip flip chart trying to work <laughs> out who the killer was. It was brilliant. They were way <laughs> off, actually, way off. They didn't have a, They didn't have anything on it. Well, they I- knew it was working when they were still puzzled. we literally
1: did do that we really did do that we had these boards and Uh every time they walked out the room we'd turn them around and we'd have the photos on there and we'd have our little theories underneath and we'd be working through and although we were guessing we were like following our own guidance as in not becoming blinkered and trying to work out well it could be this one it could be that one and it could be the other and then actually putting the evidence there and then as more and more evidence came to light it was throwing our theories completely out of the water. We really were. We were under pressure. We were working for our money.
0: You were giving these guys too much of a hard time and you actually didn't have a clue what was going on yourselves.
1: Well, yeah. We were just thinking, oh, gosh, I hope we get there.
0: Um, But tell me a little bit uh, as to about your own um, insight and, I guess, your own expertise. You know, did you bring an element of of kind of, kinda, you know, an advisory capacity to the set, you know, that such and a thing wouldn't happen at a murder scene or, you know, a, a, an investigation in, into a murder scene. Did you did you find yourself advising uh, what was, you know, the, the production side of things at all?
1: We did try to do that. We did try to fill that little gap as well because as you get further and further into a murder investigation, yep. um, little bits of evidence um, weren't necessarily tying together. Mm-hmm. And it was because... Um, there was there was so much and it was such a short period of time and it was working out the best routes so sometimes yeah we did have to step in and just act as the advisors even though we were still in the dark right up until the end we were in the dark but we did act as advisors as well just to make sure that because um, I went to meet some of my ex-colleagues about a week ago and even they believe that the the actual plot and the how realistic it is is very very good and that's because we all did sort of band together to make yeah. sure that it didn't become um, like a bit of a joke, because it, yeah. we had to make sure it was as, as realistic as possible so that even real police officers who are serving now were following the clues and thinking, yeah, that's realistic, that would happen. And you would have to wait for the, I don't know, the CCTV to come back or you would have to wait for the phone records to come back. You wouldn't have all of the information right on day one. So yeah. all of that made it very real to us and to people like us who are watching it and who and part of the audience is police officers,
0: believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I sometimes find myself when I'm watching something that has a hmm. depiction of, of the world of journalism in it and, you know, I find myself screaming at them, that, that wouldn't happen. That can't happen. You know, I, I guess there would be, be, be people out there in that world saying the same thing. Potentially, yeah. you have to bear that in mind. Well, yeah. we
1: made sure, we wanted to make sure that that didn't happen because, you know, for us, we're not actors. We, are, we had real life experience yeah. and we didn't want to be on the screen and people, our ex-colleagues, shouting at us saying, Palm, what the hell are you doing? How yeah. have you just said that to them? Yeah. You know they're never going to get that back. Yep. So it was a case of protecting our reputations as well, even though it was under attack from Ian and Craig and the rest of the team.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: of course, and I guess that, that, that I think that's uh, that's that cocktail, I guess, of of the kind of you know uh, the, the 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 real in in those characters and, and their own you know individual attributes, uh, the 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 the, the, the fictionalised that, that has been presented there and the. And the, the, this, you know, almost like kind of straight lace that, that the, the forensic experts and the detectives and so on bring bring to it. It's quite a fascinating cocktail, but it also strikes me, uh, Craig and Madonna, as a concept and as a format. You know, I found myself on this very laptop several times uh, over the past 18 months, thankfully not recently, uh, being part of Murder Mystery Zooms. You know, and and you know, one of my one of my aunts is a big fan of murder mystery parties, and the family get together on those things every now and then. So, I guess in some ways, the the idea for this has been hiding in plain sight.
2: Exactly, Madonna.
3: <laughs> I mean, look, I would say we we wanted it not to feel like a murder mystery Zoom, but um, we wanted it. No, no, no
2: I don't think it does.
3: <laughs> no, I'm only I'm only kidding, but I think. The reason that we embarked on this is that you know uh, there's such an appetite for crime drama and you know I think a lot of the factual um commissioning that we do often takes its lead from from you know things that we see in drama that are working really well and you know it, it just felt like a really it felt like quite uncharted territory um for factual I mean given that things like 24 hours in police custody and Catching a killer, and you know, other things we do in our department are, are big hits for us. I mean, you know, people people love watching them. So it was a way of sort of, you know, taking some of the, um, the 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 big hits we do and sort of taking it into more of a factual entertainment space, and keeping that heart. Could you that that question at the heart of it? Could you solve a murder? Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I think that. Um, I, I, it, it just felt like delicious territory to try and explore in yeah. in in fact and i don't think we got it entirely right and we would tweak things if we you know if we were to start at the drawing board and, and do things again but for a first series um it, it felt like given that we were completely it was uncharted territory completely i think we made so many um amazingly good decisions at the outset so
0: i can't let that moment pass to... me by madonna what would you tweak
3: I'm not going to say that yet because next week is the final
0: um, ah, okay. right. yeah, episode
3: right. and we're going to have a little catch up after that. We've right. all got thoughts, but often with these things, it's dialing a few things up and pulling a few things back and stuff like that, isn't it, Craig?
2: Yeah, and I think it's very, it sometimes seems that when you get asked to do a panel like something like this, it can quite often come across to the audience that we absolutely have all the answers and that we wouldn't change a thing. And I think the truth is very, very different. You know, we have, um, if given the chance to do this again, and I really hope we do, but we've learned so much from doing what we did in the first series in a relatively short period of time. It was a huge collaboration with everybody, but it doesn't mean that we always got it right. You know, I don't think, I think there are quite a few things that I would like to change about it as well. But whenever you do something, what what's really interests me, whenever you do something as big and as bold as this, you immediately open yourself up to criticism, it's really easy to criticize it, and we've been given a few pelters you know, a quite, a few, quite a bit of criticism about it. But I think what should be applauded is the scale and, um, and ambition of the idea and the commitment from the channel because I think that you know, those two things together you don't see very often in British television. You know, we used to be amazing kind of format makers, and I just think that it's been a while since something because of lockdown and because of COVID and the situations we all lived through but it's take, it's, there's been a while since we saw something this big and bold on telly, I think. And it's and
3: taking bold. a risk of that scale during COVID year actually was also, I mean, all credit to you guys that you pulled it off, but um, it was a risk, a massive risk-taking sort of commission. And it was great to be able to do that this year. Um, as Ian said, I mean, we are all, you know, we are all sort of trying to do something a bit exciting and new. And it, and it was, um, it, you know, we often series don't land, you know, the very first outing, and we've had, things like first dates, you know, it took till series three till it sort of landed. Um, And Hunter didn't land first series. So there are examples of things that sort of start, they come out the gates and then they're they're not fully formed.
0: Yeah, sure. Pam, tell me, had you been to Ghia before?
3: No, I hadn't. And it's an absolutely
1: beautiful location. You can see from some of the shots with the scenery. It is very contained. You can't get off the island there's a ferry <laughs> that finishes at 4.30, and if there's a storm, that's it, you've had it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the little village shop that Ian talks about had run out of beer, and they couldn't get beer for two days. Oh it, was like, it, it, was, it was literally, you were had sent somewhere <laughs> somewhere where civilization only just occasionally visited.
0: Sorry, I'm sure somebody had some, you know, illegal moonshine going in their garage somewhere, no <laughs> doubt about that. We,
1: we, we tried to find it. It doesn't exist. It's not there. <laughs> uh,
0: tell me about, the, uh, briefly, folks, just before we move on to the questions from the audience, but um, the decision to choose gear because, you know, you've hundreds of islands that you could have chosen. Yeah.
2: I mean, there was one point in the development where um, Madonna and Elisa um, called myself and Lucy to say, Right, we've got two things we want you to do. One, we want you to get the crime writer on board, and two, we want you to find the island. And I thought, oh, my God, this is going to take months and months. And actually, it really was uh, approaching Ian and getting Ian excited about it, and then also approaching the islands after a year of lockdown. They were actually two of the easier things that we were asked to do from the channel. But um, I think the, the idea of Gia, I visited Gia the October before with my family, just as a day trip. Um, and that had all kind of lodged in my head. And, but the main thing for me, there were three main things that we were looking for in the island. One was proximity to Glasgow, because we wanted to make sure that we had um, accessibility and it was going to be easier for getting people to and from Glasgow to Gia. The other, I really wanted to try and take over the entire island as much as possible. I thought it was going to be really important that you could get a sense from a big aerial shot that you could see the entire island and, yeah. and we knew that we were kind of touching all the corners of it. And then also, I really wanted it to be a kind of living, breathing, working community because as Ian said earlier, you know, it was about having a working community where there were secrets uh, and you could see the, the farm buildings, you could see the dairy, you could see the post office. So all of those things ultimately just landed with Gear. We had a number of places... Um, that were almost second contenders, as it were. But once I visited Gia, we did a recce, came back, and I pulled together a very primary school-looking PowerPoint to share with everybody. Um, but I think everybody agreed that actually it had all we were looking for. So, and also the other thing I would say as well is that uh, off the back of lockdown, Gia were just so welcoming. The community were just they were desperate for us to come over. They were great hosts. And there were quite a few buildings on gear that were lying that hadn't been... They weren't derelict, but they just weren't inhabited. So we were able to take them over, for example, the big police HQ building, which is Ackamore House. We, um, that had just been bought, and they were turning it into a big Airbnb. And similarly, the manse, which ends up being our crime scene, the couple who have just bought that are now renovating it. You can follow them on Instagram. It looks nothing like the scene that we had. But yeah. um, So we were very lucky with those two locations.
0: And I guess, you know, I'm thinking of... Um... The nest on on um, on on uh, BBC last year, or, or maybe even before, can't remember. Time has been bent, but um, yeah. that had a bit of an impact on that area, that corner of Argyll. People started to pay attention to it because it looked amazing, and maybe the, the spotlight hadn't been thrown onto that part. Uh, and I guess you know maybe that might be true of of Gear as well, because it's like we said at the start, all but for you know a couple of scenes, it looks absolutely diamond.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think. Um... The, I'm, I love the West Coast of Scotland. I'm, I visit it regularly. The idea of the island actually came when I was on the island of Iona, which is just off Mull. And I'd been there and I, I was walking on the beach with my wife and I said to her, this, this idea I've got, I think it would actually be better if it was based on, I, I mean, I don't think she was paying any attention to me whatsoever as often the way, but um, I just thought an island gives it a really good sense that nobody's left. The the killer is still at large. There is a community living and breathing there. But Iona, I think, is probably just a little bit too religious for us. We needed to go to Gia, where it was a little bit more uh, realistic.
0: Yeah, there might have been some, yeah, I can imagine there might have been a bit of inflammation around doing it there. Um, uh, Ian, tell me, um, any of the amateur sleuths got a bit? You know, any of them? Could they have been Rebus's number two?
4: (laughs) I mean, they all had, they all had, um, they all had uh, lovely qualities to them and I think the, the teams were very well chosen. Uh, I was invested in all of them when I started watching the programme. And of course, was sad whenever a team got knocked out. One of my favourite bits is when um, Simon, real detective, um, actually goes outside. I can't remember if it was Dr. He takes outside outside to give her a wee bit of comfort to find out if she's okay and stuff. Yeah. And it was just such a lovely piece of actual human, warm drama within this, this extraordinary police drama that was going on. And it was a quiet moment. And I mean, his humanity and empathy shone through. And that was really interesting. I liked it. the real detectives um, led by Parm, you got a sense of them as well as actually, yeah. you know, doing the right thing for the right reasons. They weren't like your Gene Hunts of this world. Yes. Um, nor were they like your Miss Marples or your Poirots. They were, they were kind of real people. Try to do a real job for the best, you know, for the best outcome for everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. Parm, I guess uh, there, there, there must have been, you know, there must have been a few moments where, uh, you know, albeit you're having to drive the story in a certain way and create a certain amount of drama and so on, but there may be. I'm, I'm wondering were there a few moments where you thought that you were surprised by someone's kind of natural detective instincts.
1: All of the teams had some really good qualities and some really good attributes. And that's why I say we dropped them in, you know, right on that cliff edge into that murder scene. And that very first day, it was it was a shock to their systems because walking in, and I think two of the different teams walked through the blood blood splatter and then transferred all that blood right across the manse. Yeah. So, so straight away they were making mistakes, but they still had different qualities and they all brought something to the party. And yep. each one of them... And the biggest thing for me was that they were willing to really try hard and give it 150% because they did all really try hard. And it was very challenging for them, you know, and they did listen to the tutoring. And for us as well, it was quite emotionally um, impactive as well because we felt for them because we know that normally you would have X amount of months training before you were asked to do what we were asking them to do. So it was, it, was, it was, there were those emotional bonds that we had with them, as well as admiring them for actually trying and giving it a go.
0: And I think that's part of what connects viewers to it, because we feel for them as well, because we imagine ourselves being in that situation where we're faced with, you know, a team of of high-ranking detectives or ex-detectives who have, you know, seen things that the rest of us would only see in our nightmares and, and they're, they're, you know, And they're giving us a bit of a ticking off for it you know uh, yeah i can only imagine how that must feel anyway folks listen thanks very much i'm going to move into the uh, q a section we have about 10 or 11 questions optimistically i'd like to think we make it through them all but who knows let's crack on with sarah cowie uh, who asks would you consider including the viewers for a more interactive experience do you have any ideas how this could work
2: um I, I do, actually. I think there is a way where the, we could potentially drop evidence for the viewers at home as and when it's received by the um, uh, by the detectives on the programme. So when you watch it, if you're playing along at home, then you, you could see the evidence. So CCTV footage, forensic reports, phone records and that sort of thing could land at the same time. Um, the, the team behind, the marketing team who worked and the social team who worked on this behind the scenes, were phenomenal. They had their work cut out for them because we had relatively no time to turn it around. But if we had more time, perhaps, maybe next time, that would be a good option.
0: Okay. Um, Kevin Williams asks, uh, did Ian write various scenarios in order to react to what the contestants did? We've touched on that a little already, Ian, but I'm wondering if there was you know, anything that you'd written that kind of got scrunched up and thrown away because it
4: wasn't needed. Oh, tons. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was one of the problems was I would write this brilliant genius subplot or twist but they wouldn't spot it; yeah. they would just walk right past it. So that was gone. I mean, unless we dragged them back and said, "Look what you missed here." Yeah. Um, so that, so all of that, you go, "Oh, so we can't use that." What else? You know, what do we do now? Um, so there was a, there was a lot of stuff that ended up not being used. Um, uh, but you know, I mean, I, I gave the, I gave Craig and his team much more than I thought they would need, because I wasn't sure what they would need. Um, yeah. Quite quite a lot of Glasgow backstory um etc etc um so yeah there were there were i mean i'm watching it live i'm not watching it before it goes out so i watch it live on a tuesday night with my wife and i'm going oh okay wasn't expecting that
0: in a funny way it reminds me and i was just looking here I, i'm in i'm in my parents home today i'm in my what used to be my bedroom hence the Poor lighting, sorry. Uh, but there's still a few of my books up on the shelf in this room, and it reminds me of those Dungeons & Dragons role-play books, you know, where you'd throw a dice and you would make a decision based on what the number on the dice was. So I've got a couple of them up there. That was what I was thinking when I was watching this, actually. Yeah,
4: yeah I, mean, I, get, I, get, I mean, I I mean, got that as well. But I was at the back of my mind, I knew it had to be a proper grown-up drama. Um, it isn't a Cluedo. It's not a game of Cluedo. And I was very heartened when Craig said, oh, by the way, Ian, it's post-Watershed. go for it yeah um so you could bring in sex drugs and rock and roll swear and all sorts you could bring in you could bring in all these adult themes that possibly wouldn't have been if we'd had the bake-off slot uh quite a lot of that would have had to go
0: um let's uh that's a good one from alan stewart how much latitude was given to the actors in terms of how to reply to a completely unexpected question by a contestant you know you can't you cannot uh sort of you know plan for all eventualities in that respect i guess
2: Do you know, it it very, very rarely happened. Um, The way that, I mean, we didn't control the detectives. The detectives very much had their own um, narrative in terms of what they wanted to do and who they wanted to go and see. But they were so invested in the story. I mean, even if you can imagine a time when you do say to the detect, you do have to kind of reposition or you have to get more camera equipment in or you have to light something really, really quickly. The actors stayed brilliantly in their character. And of course, the detectives would try and break that almost fourth, fifth, whatever wall it is that they're trying to break to say, just to fill the air, you know, saying, so, you know, do you you come to Gia often? And it was, there was, Mm. that happened once where uh, one of the actors turned and said, Gia, I live here. I don't live in Gia, I live in Hursa. And it was just brilliantly handled by them. So just completely cut them down. But they didn't often veer off uh, what they were meant to be asking because they just were so invested in the story.
3: Also Ian wrote incredibly detailed backstories for all of them. So they knew exactly. and, And I was, looking at last week's episode and it is amazing like two people being questioned at the same time and they you know they give the same information and and that that was brilliant because you know every layer right back to sort of you know what they studied for their you know GCSEs or whatever they knew it inside out Yeah. yep
0: yeah. 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 Uh, Susan Chedge says I thought the performances were really commendable so it's not a question but a bit of feedback so there you go Uh, and Karen asks did the contestants pick who they wanted to investigate or were they all given characters to investigate?
2: No they ran their own investigations Um, they didn't, I mean the thing is when they asked for evidence they got the evidence it wasn't that they asked for the evidence and then everybody got it, it was always about based on their own investigative um, abilities so they could actually it could have been going after the same people. This is something we were really worried about, actually, and we modelled this through for quite a long time prior to going to the island. What happens if two teams want to end up going to see one? And we would have to then almost put rules around it, like you can only see one person for 20 minutes and then go and see another. None of that actually ever came to the fore because there were so many different leads that had been created by Ian, that actually, even when, all, when everything is pointing towards, for example, um, a gene in the post office, there would always be a team that were away off at the south end of the island, away off to try and find something else completely different and completely unrelated. So we never found it that they were, they were queuing up to go and interview somebody. Um, so that was that was a bonus. Okay, uh, Christian
0: Aurora, a very topical question given what's going on in Glasgow at the moment. All the major UK TV companies committed yesterday at COP26 to more climate crisis storylines in their programming. Did Channel 4 ask for the eco-village element to the story or was it something that Ian wanted to include? ask Christian
4: uh, that that was me. I mean, that was right from the get-go. Um, I, you know, I, I was asked to think about a murder mystery on a Scottish island and the eco thing came to me quite quickly um, because of land ownership in Scotland and in the Highlands. And because I knew that some islands had had community buyouts or were in the process of trying to have community buyouts, um because I I knew about big landowners from overseas or from outside Scotland who were buying up huge chunks of the highlands um and some people were happy about that and some people less happy I just thought well that's topical um it's important um and I wasn't thinking of it as being let's be right on and and do a nice walk thing it's just something that is actually current and it's something that I'm interested in so yeah of course I brought it in Okay, great. And when
3: we saw that that was part of the story, we actually loved it because we knew it would be transmitting in October. Yeah. So the timeliness was great for us. <laughs> Is
0: it any better, yeah. Uh, Justin Scroggy asks, uh, I'm interested in the game rules where the actors instructed not to lie.
2: Um, Where they instructed not to lie, the actors themselves decided um, quite early on that they would only give information away as and when they were asked and pressed for it. There are a couple of stories where, and a couple of times during filming, that the actors are not telling the truth. And it wasn't based on the fact that we had told them to to lie about it, because that would have then interfered too much with the rules from our side of things. But they did it in a way that they felt that their character would not, not necessarily want to give away that piece of information. And the bit that comes to my mind is when... Logan is um, out smoking a joint at the top of the standing stone, didn't say where he was that night because he didn't want his mother to know that he smoked weed. Um, So that was a very natural thing that he would have wanted to do is just hold that piece of information back. But we didn't say to them that they had to lie, no. The
3: other thing that happened, Craig, just to jump in on that was that Jean in the post office, for example, um, she didn't lie, but when the two boys asked about her lesbian relationship with Charlie, because they were so sort of heavy-handed about it, her character type felt that that was just not the way to approach her about something so personal. So she clammed up. Now that was because they weren't asking the right question. Is because they were asking in a really quite aggressive way. So then she did open up later on to one of the other detectives who, who was more gentle and you know went about it a different way. So that was quite interesting. Their character sort of related to you
0: know how much they give away. Yeah. Um Katie Russell, uh one for you, Parm. Uh can you go straight in as a detective or do you work your way up from normal cop first?
1: You can actually go straight in as a detective. Now you get loads of training as you join. It used to be that you had to do two years in a uniform uh walking the beat before you could become a detective, but that has now changed and it and it's to make the police service more attractive. people who do want to specialise in, in the investigation side of it. So yeah you can join, anybody can join as a detective.
0: Thank you Kevin Williams, were any of the video scenes filmed after the initial filming to help round off the story?
2: So yeah good question actually because the way that we structured it was that we filmed initially with all of our detectives and the actors and then we had all the drama sequences that we filmed later so it was always the idea that We had a set number of drama scenes that we wanted to get they were our kind of banker our core drama scenes but then of course if there was anything else that had come had come up through lines of questioning or any investigation then we would tie that off with a scene uh, a drama scene later on so we filmed the factual first and then we filmed the drama okay technical
0: all right um Karen asks who decided when the clues would be released was it in Ian's script or did the producers decide
2: um, again, it was bit, it was both. To, yeah, it was both. It was it was down to um, and also what Parm said earlier about the fact that if, if there was certain evidence that they wanted back, for example, the forensics, we, we had a forensic specialist who was on site with us, who was actually advising us. So we would get the clue from Ian, but then we would also have to work out with the experts when we could actually feasibly release that. Now, bearing in mind, we only had a short period of time, but it all seemed to work in Palm, didn't it? We actually mm. tried to tie it in as, as closely as possible. So. It was
1: realistic. I mean, one of the good ones was the, the phone records and it was trying to give it give them the phone records in a format that they could understand and that would be quite close to how real phone records would come to you. Because otherwise, if they'd have just got a huge pile of paper, um, they would never have had the time to decipher and go through everything. So it did actually work in a timeliness fashion and also on the reality side of it as well.
4: Speaking as, speaking as, a, as a crime novelist, I actually enjoyed the scenes where real lawyers arrived to defend their clients and just would say just say no comment and my wife's sitting looking at me going if you put that in a book it'd be bored as all get out and <laughs> you wouldn't learn anything how come it doesn't happen in your books I'm going well my books aren't as realistic as this right. you know, in my books the, the 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 person being interviewed always opens up they don't just sit there and go no comment but it does happen it's incredibly frustrating whether you're a a real police officer or whether you're a a, a contestant on a game show When somebody isn't answering your questions, it is incredibly annoying.
2: Yeah. It was really interesting, actually, just talking about the the experts that we had. So we had Bobby Reed uh, and we had Amar Anwar and uh, Claire Mitchell as well, but they were giving us their own expertise as well. And so they were feeding into it, which was brilliant because obviously having that knowledge, I mean, the the amount of expertise that we had in the room talking about certain scenarios and certain um, events was invaluable. But again, they advised us as to when we can say certain things, but also they advised their own, their own actors or the actors that they were representing to no comment. And we were thinking sometimes we've, we've got to get off this island.
1: But even with us, they didn't trust us. And it was like, they're the police officers, we're the lawyers, and we're not going to share our stories because we felt we were all competing against each other as well, as in they were actually representing these people. So yeah. it became very complicated.
0: Um, how long? Well we've got time for another couple more. Uh, Margaret Hacking asked, how long were the detectives given from start to arrest and what happened to all the extra hours of questioning?
2: All the extra hours of questioning are sitting on the cutting room floor. Um, uh, imagine even within the interview room um there was a that we didn't put a time limit on how long they were wanting to interview them for because they didn't have that long to prepare for it so they would go in there and they had a number of questions that they were going to ask specific to the storyline that they were chasing at that particular time but then but quite often it would veer off course and and in the edit what we've had to do is just make sure that the narrative for each of the actors stays absolutely clear very and it's a bit of a maze at times but um, they weren't given a timeline as how long they were going to interview them for in the in the interview suite.
0: Okay. Uh, Nikki Parrott asks Parm uh, after this experience in Telly, would you like to do more?
2: Well, I'm waiting
1: to find out if there's a second series, and then if there is, I'll be putting my hat in the ring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'd love to. I would absolutely loved it. I adored it. And as Craig says, the villagers were so welcoming. The team, the actual crew, it was an absolutely um, amazing experience and something that I had never thought as a career police officer that I would ever actually go through. It's it. wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Yeah,
0: of course. Um, OK, I've got three more. I'm going to just bash them through and see if we can get very quick answers in the next minute. Uh, Kevin Williams, will we get a definitive answer in the final episode? One more answer, please.
4: I don't know. I've not seen it.
2: <laughs> OK, uh, let's <laughs> have an answer that. from three, Madonna. I'm not answering
4: that. <laughs> okay. No comment, it's what you say, no comment. No comment.
0: Yeah, all right. Um, Mike Groves, uh, not a question. Actually, I'm going to come back to that. Uh, anonymous attendee, did you have to choreograph and schedule each team's actions so that more than one team didn't crash into another's location? No, didn't need to. Didn't need to do that, okay. He uh, is big enough to accommodate all those people. Uh, how long were the... Oh, we've done that question already. And... Um, Okay, final question. Uh, not a question, Mike Grove says. Uh, just wanted to commend all those involved. We've had a blast making a podcast all about Murder Island and are keeping everyone everything crossed uh, for a second series. So I'm going to turn that into a question. Craig, Madonna, second series?
3: Uh, no decisions been made, but we're so hugely happy with this series and we're really proud of it. And, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure working with Craig and the team and Ian and Palm and everybody. It's just been such a brilliant experience. So don't know, but let's see.
4: Okay, great. And can Um, I just add that if anybody wants to franchise it for um, Murder Island Bahamas, Murder Island, (laughs) uh, I think Palm and I would be happy to travel as consultants.
1: I've got my suitcase with your books in it still.
0: (laughs) I'll come out and do the Q and A quite happily as well, uh, folks. It's, uh, we're now at uh, seven o'clock. That means I can say interview terminated at uh-huh. PM. Thank you. Uh, but uh, thank, you. thank you, thank you all very much uh, for taking part tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. I have some words uh, to give you. Uh, just so the BAFTA people are happy, you can watch the final episode of Murder Island on Channel 4 on uh, Tuesday, the 9th of November, at 9 15 pm or catch up with the previous five episodes on all four available now. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Please do join the conversation on BAFTA Scotland's social channels. Uh, thanks for joining us. Sorry about the light. Good night. Good night. Good night,
3: everyone. For joining us and remember you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.